I talked about last week and what took place there and Jim being with us. Uh, I'll talk some more about Jim. Um, most of it will be good. <laughs> that was a joke. You can tell him that. But the, the point is, is that you're going to hear me say a lot of things and, you know, that may coincide with some words he used. And you go, you know, Chuck, some of that sounds a lot like Jim Ladd. I'll explain some of that. But here's my, my request to you. The next time Jim comes and he'll be back, when you see Jim, tell him what a great message was. But would you tell him he sounds an awful lot like Chuck Stecker? I'm just asking for a friend, you know. I think that would be good, and it would help him in that process, right? You know, for the month of January, we worked on a message series that was important to us, and it was called In Our House. If you're new with us, and one, maybe just visiting today or feel new, well, I want to encourage you, if you go to the YouTube or to the Summit app, you can watch, watch down there on the Summit app or the YouTube, but to really understand what it means to us here at Summit Church when we say reach, raise, release, to know the meaning of that because it tells you what our strategy is to serve God, build the kingdom, and make a difference for God himself. That's what we believe he's called us to in this process. But, you know, when you hear the words in our house, I... I had started off in each week saying, you know, when you heard your dad say that, it was always followed by something you were going to do or something you wouldn't do. And it wasn't a gray area. It was real clear from dad when he said, in our house, and it laid it out perfectly. And that's why we believe those messages and that understanding of what we're doing with that strategy of reach, raise, release, and the area we believe that God's given us. And we really think a lot like Joshua. You know, he said, wherever you set your feet, God promised him that. Wherever you set your feet, wherever you walk. And I've, I've got this image of spiritually walking this five-mile area around Summit Church and say, God, give us this community. It's a hurting community. And we need to make a difference here. And we believe that's why God's got us here. And some are saying, you know, you sit there and said, it's just been so long. And um, I was reminded of this in between services. You know, it's been so long and, you know, people go to church. Did you know right now, I think they're in about the 75th or 80th hour at Asbury Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky right now. My wife's a Kentucky girl where that's taking place. I've actually spoke there and done chapel there. Just an amazing thing. And we've got a nephew that's at Asbury. So I've been kind of following that. Folks, you got to understand, I think God is primed for a revival in this nation. I think, you know, I don't know how far we've got to sink down. But by, besides seeing the Grammys and all of the Satanism and all of the garbage and all of the hurting and all of that. But I just know this. I don't want to miss God. And I certainly don't want to be responsible as your pastor for having any part in this church missing God. And I just want to go after it. I just want you to know that. That's not in the script, but stay with me on this, okay? We're, we're in a new series, and the series, Jim set this up for me, for us last week. And, and I will tell you this, the title of the series is Becoming. It's really one big word, Becoming. And the message today is Becoming Reproducing Disciples. I want to give you the big idea, it just simply says this. The big idea is to be reproducing disciple. We've got to have a clear understanding of what a disciple is and what we are to be if we're truly to reproduce disciples. I've got no intention whatsoever of re-preaching Jim's message from last week. I've watched it several times, let me tell you, um, just because of the meat and the content there and so forth. But Jim had an illustration that he brought 
that uh, Andrew actually put together for us and does such a great job on that. But on this graphic, I want you to, I want you to look at this carefully because one of the first things I'm going to ask you to do just quietly to yourself, no show of hands is, as Jim went through this last week, and this is going to be very significant as we start with exploring Christ. You know, you believe in God, but not sure about Christ. Faith isn't a significant part of your life. It's not really guiding you with what we would call a biblical worldview, Christ-centered worldview. To growing in Christ, now you believe in Jesus, working on what means to get to know Him, getting close to Christ, feeling close, and depend on Him for daily guidance. But then we're getting to this, Christ-centered. My relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life, guides me in everything I do. Now, I just want you to look at that. And I want to ask you a simple question, not asking for hands. Where are you at? Where are you at in your faith? If you're here and you're saying, I'm just exploring, Chuck, you don't understand. I may not even like you. Put your name on a list. It's a big one. We'll find you. We alphabetize it. Okay. It's no big deal. But we're good with that. And I'm going to explain that. In fact, we're great with that. If you're growing in Christ, if you feel close in that daily guidance, but know this, that Christ-centered life up there, and we'll talk about how that relates to being a disciple. But first, let me give you some, I call them kind of some foundational issues for us here at Summit Church, because we know, and we've said, we want to meet you wherever you're at on that, on that chart. We want to help you grow. We want to help you in your journey. But to do that, there's some things that we feel are important. One, we, Summit Church, church family, we want to create a safe environment for you to belong before you have to believe. You've heard me say it before, you'll hear me say it again. But it's that, that idea that you don't have to agree with everything we agree on to say, I'd like to come here and grow. You don't have to think the way we do. And, and people look at that and they go, Chuck, it's a church. Shouldn't we all think alike, right? Okay, let me tell you, they call those cults. Let that sink in for a minute. If you knew my family... We go from about as far on one end of the political spectrum to the other end that you could get, okay? But we're family. We still belong, and we don't believe the same. But we love each other. Sometimes we tolerate each other, but we love each other, and we go through that. So the idea is, in order for us to be the church that we believe God has called us to be, then we've got to create a safe place where you can belong. You can kind of work it out. You can check it out. You can, you know, work through that discovery process and feel safe in doing that and know you're in a safe place to do that. That may be a little different than what you've heard in different places. We want you to have a safe place for growth, regardless of whether, where you're at on your personal journey, to know Jesus and that relationship being the most important relationship in your life. We want to have another safe place for you just to grow. The third thing here is we want to help you identify your gifts, passion, calling to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you to your destiny and purpose. And again, there's some things I get to say over again, but remember, it's probably the first time I've heard them, even though I may have said them a couple of times. This idea of helping you find your purpose and destiny is so critical to us because we believe that it's foundational to the body of Christ, that you live out your calling, your purpose. 
I understand there's a football game today, but one of the quarterbacks on there, uh, both alleged claim, and I don't judge or not judge in terms of their Christian faith, but one of them said that he had a purpose before anybody else had an opinion. I want you to think about that and let that sink in. He had a purpose before anybody else had an opinion. You know, I thought about that. It was about 4.30 this morning. Don't ask me why I'm up at that hour, but it's just how it is. But bottom line is, I was thinking about that this morning. Each one of you had a purpose before anybody else had an opinion about you, about your capabilities, about anything in your life. You had a purpose before all of that. And that, you know, one of the things that we want you to know is At Summit Church, through the growth track, identification of spiritual gifts and all of these types of things, but relationships and so forth, we believe it's vital and it's absolutely critical and it's essential to what God's called us to do to help you find and identify where you want to be, where God wants you to be. And I want to tell you that as you go through that process and you say, you know what, boy, I'd love to serve with Summit Kids. We would love to have you serve there. I'd love to serve with the production, or I'd love to serve on Welcome. I'd love to, you know what? We've got a place for you. We've got a place for you. But I also want you to know that it's just as important that if you use this and you say, I need somebody to help me understand what my gifts are, what's God, purpose, passion, all of these types of things. And then coming out of that, you say, but there's a ministry over here that has just been on my heart for so long. Is it all right if I use the training here, the equipping here, the empowering that you do here? But is it okay if I use it over here? I say, oh my goodness, yes. That's called kingdom work. It's not about a single building. It's not about this church with a small C. It's about God's kingdom. We would love to launch you any place God wants you to go, in any ministry, in any service, in anything that God wants to do that lets you live out everything that he poured inside of you. And that's why it's so important that the fellowship and what we do here with one another and how we work together on that. So you hear me saying, and I said I would talk about Jim Ladd. You know, Jim was my pastor here for about nine years. Jim was also on the board of trustees for the ministry that I lead, A Chosen Generation. I've ministered at Jim's church multiple times in Olympia and and things there. And Jim and I have done a lot of teaching together in different environments. So there are a lot of things that we poured in, but I can tell you that I'm very proud of that relationship. And... um, I always say, you know, if you look at me and it's good, there's a good chance Jim Ladd had a hand in that. And if you look at me and it's bad, then that's still on me and it's my own fault, okay? But there's been a lot of influence that he's had, and I'm very proud, and we're going to have Jim back here because of what he brings. And you need to know that Jim is absolutely in love with Summit Church. He is, and he's in love, and I think he expressed that. But uh, we're very, very grateful to have him functioning at different levels just to help us in this season as well. So now here's what I want you to know. As we get into this about understanding what is a disciple, things like that, we've got to understand this part right here. 
One, I believe that this is the inerrant, unfallible Word of God. I want you to know that. If that's, a bo- if that's a problem, get with me. We can talk it over, okay? But this is God's Word right here. But here's what I believe about this. It's not enough just to have this. The things about this, there's four things that are foundational in the church as we move forward, and that is everything in this book right here, God's Word, love letter to me. You get your own copy because he wrote a love letter to you too. Okay, but the fact is, it's got to be teachable, reachable, applicable, and reproducible. I'm going to say it again. The things that are here, in order for them to transform our lives, they have to be teachable by somebody to somebody, right? They've got to be reachable. They've got to be applicable, and they've got to be reproducible. Let me take each one of those, okay? If the things in here were not teachable, and we're going to hear the word teach throughout this message, that God continually tells us how we do things, teach the word. How we do it, teach the word. But we've got to be able to teach this, right? But the second thing is that it's got to be reachable. You know, for a long time in my life, I lived in, there were a lot of Christianese words You know, I think some of us, you know, I'll just take the heat for everybody that does this because I'm the guy up here. We like to use big Christian words, and if people don't understand it, that's their problem, not ours, but it makes us look more Christian and sound better. You know what I'm saying? Sanctification, and we want to throw things out like that and that. Well, this idea of, you know, Christ-like and stuff and so forth, and here's what happened in my world. The things of God were teachable for me. I was beginning to understand them. And I had great people around me. You know what my first problem was? It wasn't reachable for me. You know, I shared with first service, so I might as well just level the playing field. It wasn't reachable for me because I didn't have moral failures or indiscretions in my life. I just had sin. I know some guys like to describe their stuff as, well, it was kind of a moral failure. Get a grip, man. It was sin. That's what the Bible calls it. But coming back to this, my problem was I didn't call it moral indiscretion, you know, all of that. I didn't have a slip up. You know what I'm saying? You ever talking? I says, oh, how was your week? Well, you know, I slipped up. I ran away with my secretary for a couple of days. That ain't a slip-up, dude. That's stupid, but let's let that go. All right, come back to me on this. My point is, I just had sin in my life. So there was so much here that I said, yes, it's teachable. I understand it, but it wasn't, it wasn't reachable for me until God did some things in my life, and I had some people around me as well. Then here's the other thing. Not only teachable and reachable, it's got to be applicable. We've got to know what to do with this. And, you know, one of the things I think that we struggle with often as Christians is we come to church and have a great day at church, but come Monday, we don't know what to do with that message. Ladies, you do a lot better at this than the guys do. Might as well tell the truth, shame the devil, let's just move on with this. But guys, you know, we need a kind of a definitive plan, lay it out there. But the fact is, ladies do a much better job of translating this and say, okay, I know what I need to do as a wife, a mother, a young lady that's, you know, in business. I can go through all of these things, right? Guys, we need to have this, okay, you do this, and then you get this, and then you do this, right? Well, the, the idea was is that we have to know how to take the teaching that's reachable for us, and we have to be able to apply this word where we live, work, and play. Because if we can't take God's word to where we live, work, and play, it's only good for a Sunday morning feel-good session. 
And God has so much more for you than a Sunday morning feel-good session. He's got plans for you with every day that ends in Y, and He wants you to walk in the fullness of who you are all of those days. But in order for that to happen, this right here, we have to know how to take this Word and apply it where we live, where we work, in our families, and the things that are going on. And the final thing there is reproducible. It's got to be reproducible. Now, let me just tell you sometimes, and this is as I get the definitional part of this, and some things that are important to us. If you were here and you saw the, the pre-roll there and, and Marie and the video on that, next Sunday is Generation Sunday. If you haven't been here before, let me just tell you what that means, and I'm going to tell you why it's important. We are a church for all generations. We are going to be a church for all generations. We're going to be a church you want to raise your kids in. That's, that's my prayer, do you understand? Where you want to raise your kids because you know your kids aren't just being put off with great teaching, but they never feel like they're part of the whole church, right? And so as a result of that, we do Generation Sunday. And what that means is, and it's tough because I've got to carry it from age four to 104 message and everything. I'm good. But the fact is, they're all going to be in here with us. And I did. I had the first time we did this in, in November, and somebody said, Chuck, I've got three kids. Do you know what it's going to be like having all my kids in there? I said, I got 11 grandkids. You think I don't know what it's going to be like? Okay, trust me, right? And I know all of our grandkids are perfect and all of our kids are nearly perfect, but our grandkids are perfect. No, they're not, okay? Just one of those things. Am I going to fall off here? Oh, my glasses. I'm going to step on them. Just take them. I'm not going to use them. Thank you. I took those to look distinguished and it obviously didn't work when I'm drop kicking them. Andrew, thank you. I appreciate that. So here's what we believe. One is the definitions have to be the same for all generations. Have to be the same. The application is different based on where you're at. It can be age. It can be work and that. But for this man right here and I, man, if you and I don't have the same definition and I'm not telling you the same thing that applies to me, then I've missed it for you and you'll figure it out real quick. So the definitions for each one of us are the same. Our application comes back. We got to be able to apply it where we live, work, and play in that part of the thing. And it's got to be the same for all generations. Now, let's go to God's Word here, and we're going to jump in at Matthew and 28, 16 through 20, okay? Now, as we go through first, first couple of scriptures on this, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Let's just leave it right there for a minute. I got three things out of those two scriptures. First thing is, it says they went to the mountain where they were directed by Jesus. One of the things that I believe is that God can't use a person in authority that's not a person under authority. If you think for a moment, and that's whether you're in the family, as children, as parents, and all of this in the workplace, God cannot truly use a person in authority that's not a person submitted to authority and understands what that means. So the first thing I read was the disciples were submitted to authority because he directed them to go to this mountain, and they did. Okay, got that? Here's the second thing. They worshiped him. That's great. We opened up in worship. I love what our, our team does here, and I love seeing the worship in them before it gets to us. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but one of the things I love about our worship, whoever we have up here, is the fact that I love to see the worship that's in them happening before I see it coming out of them. But here's the thing, right? They worshiped him. So they went, they did it, they worshiped him. But then what was the next words? Some doubted. Wait a minute. Are you getting this? Eleven men, 
that walked with Jesus, saw the miracles, was with him with everything that he did, through that entire process, they worshipped him, everything, and they doubted him? you got to be kidding me. No wonder Christianity's messed up. I mean, look at the start that we had, right? No. You know what that says? You're not going to be perfect till God calls you home. Let me tell you something. Some of you are sitting here today. I talked to some after the first service. There are real struggles going on. We had a, just with one of our church family on Friday night, a major tragedy that took place. We walked through that. I sat with a man yesterday. I held him in my arms and we cried together as his wife went to be with the Lord at 115 yesterday afternoon in his house. I've been with him every day for a week. I got 28 years with the man. I can go through things again over and over. And we say, well, you're not a good Christian. I mean, you know, you just have to be strong in your faith. Okay, let me just tell you, get a grip. Now, if you need that in the King James Version, that's how you grew up. It's called, getteth thou a grippeth. For, and if you're a Star Wars fan, let me just level the playing field. It's grippeth thou getteth. Okay, Yoda got that for you. These 11 men that had walked with Jesus had doubt. They struggled. If you're sitting here today and said, sometimes I doubt if God's with me. Sometimes I doubt if He understands. Sometimes I doubt if He hears my prayer. I doubt if He could heal me. I doubt if He could provide. I doubt if He could do that. Come on. Welcome to being one of God's children. It's okay. Now, what we want to help you do is understand and grow closer to Christ, but here's the other part of it. If you think for a moment that you have a doubt and that disqualifies you, then you don't know God's Word, and you don't know the Jesus I know. Because you're not disqualified, it makes you real, makes you human, and you know what else? When we express those times that we struggled with that, might just be the door that somebody else needs to realize it's okay to be a Christian and still have a little bit of doubt. The next thing as we get through on this is, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So he tells them this, right? They had some doubt, but he kind of goes back and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, in John 14, 12, now you get back to that, you know, a little earlier on this because, you know, this came to him in John 14, 12. Remember what Jesus said? He says, you will do these things and greater things in my name. Okay? All right. Let's just cut to the chase. What did Jesus do? Well, he made the blind to see, the deaf to hear the lame to walk, he raised the dead, cured the lepers, died on a cross, third day... I mean, other than that, what did Jesus do? I mean, just name one big thing. You know what I'm saying? But here's what Jesus said, saints. God wants you to understand that that same power through Jesus Christ is inside of you. That same power that God wants you to understand, because He said, you will do these things. And I believe it's living and breathing, and it wasn't, you know, 2,000 years ago, and even beyond that, that the words were written, and it was just good for them, it's good for now, it's the letter to us. It's what God is saying here. So when we say this, and so, you know, when we look at this thing, then we go to the next part of the Scripture, and He says then, so now you got all of that, and then He says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we did baptism. I still, if you weren't here, one of my favorite pictures, Preston, is you, buddy. 
when that young lady wasn't going to wait till you were dried off and dressed to give you a hug right at the tank here and said, I don't care, when he got baptized a couple of weeks ago and that young daughter just grabbed on. That's why we baptize is because God tells us to. That's why we're going to keep doing this. Do you understand? But here's what he says with this. When he looks at this, he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Here's what I want you to understand about all nations. Very often we read that and we kind of go by the strict letter of the law, all nations. Well, that means to make disciples. I guess I have to go across the sea, another country. And I had a guy much smarter than me said, you know, you don't have to go across the sea. You just got to see the cross. And that cross may be being planted in your neighbor's front yard spiritually because they desperately need you. And that might be your mission field. So this idea, and when he says all nations, what God translating, what he's saying there is all people groups. We want to represent that, and we believe that's what the community is that we have right here at Summit Church. I love it, and our team will be back up here. You may not have noticed, but then I'll tell you when our worship team comes back up, so you'll kind of glance at that and maybe pick up on something you didn't see, okay? So let me just give it to you. Zach here in the middle, doesn't exactly look like Christy that was over here singing. I don't know if you picked up on that at all or not. But there was a little bit of difference. You know what was really crazy? There was actually a little bit of difference in how they dressed. Did you ever see that? You might not have seen that. Okay, but I did. But my point is, the different cultures, the different backgrounds, the things that we bring to the table, when God is telling us to go and make disciples all nations, He is telling us all people groups. And those people groups can be the one right next door to you or even sitting next to you here today. That's what God's calling us to. And then he goes on, and here comes the word, teaching them. Remember, we started off, the things here have to be teachable. And what does he say in this primary here? He goes right into verse 20, and he says, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. And you know, when he talks about the teaching there, and he did it, Jesus did teaching, and he modeled it for us. And what I mean by that is, Jesus didn't, that's why I get away from this table a little bit, Not, and no, I don't think I'll fall off. But if I do, somebody come and get me. Jesus taught by modeling it. He taught by telling stories. He taught by speaking the truth. He taught by sitting and having meals with people that Others might not thought were worthy to have a meal with. Do you understand? His life was how he taught, not just a story. And I want you to think about that because it's our lives that will do the greatest teaching. Do I say, no, you don't need to speak, teach? No, absolutely we do, and we need to, be, we need to work at that. But you need to understand the greatest teaching that will be done by any of us will be in and through our lives to others will have the greatest impact that we can have. And so we've got to do the same thing. So now we're at a significant place. I've done all of that, and I still haven't defined a disciple for you. Now we get to it. We've got to understand what the definition is because simply this, if you put 12 people in a room and we use these big words and you say disciple, you'll get 15 to 20 answers because what will happen is some that defined it first upon hearing others will change their mind and you'll get all these different variances. We need to settle in and I'm going to give you a working definition for a disciple for us that I'm going to use foundationally as we go through this entire series on becoming. And a disciple is simply this, a fully devoted, spiritually maturing, reproducing follower of Christ. 
Four things. Got it? It says this. A fully devoted, spiritually maturing. So fully devoted is the heart. Spiritually maturing is the constant journey there. Reproducing is the action. That's our mission. Follower is the head. You got it? I mean, that takes everything about us that God is telling us. This is what God's calling us to be as a disciple. Fully devoted, spiritually maturing, reproducing follower of Christ. Now, what do we do with that definition? Let's break it up first and look at this. The four elements I gave to you, devoted, fully devoted, spiritually maturing, reproducing follower. So let's start with this issue of fully devoted, okay? Some of you, you question, well, what is really fully devoted? First service, and I'm sure a lot of people were Googling it after the service. I just told them to go listen to a couple of songs by the Carpenters or Captain and Tennille. There's three people in here that know what I just said. Cease, you're one of them. Okay, we got this. But bottom line, okay, bottom line is it's this heartfelt devotion that we have, that God is calling it, something that we're devoted to. Now, let's look at what the Scriptures tell us to be devoted to, because it's not just that they... uh, God is just saying you just need to be fully devoted. You got that. You know what it means. God very clearly walks us through his word and says, but here's things to be devoted to. Because in doing so, this is what's going to create a transformed life that's going to bring us on that journey. The very first thing, you look at this and you go to Acts. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here we go with that word again, isn't it? You see how important the word teaching is for us, that we need to get that and how we're to teach. Then the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Look at the elements just in that one verse. They devoted themselves to the teaching we've talked about. And the fellowship. Saints, we need each other. We need each other. God tells us, don't forsake the gathering of believers. Whether you're with us online or you're here personally, and I understand there's reasons you can't make it sometimes. You know, look, this isn't to be this legalistic approach. It's to say, relationally, we got to get this right. It's not an attendance, okay? I told you a couple of weeks ago I had somebody, and they had to check into their church on Facebook. And I asked them one week if they went to church, and they said, well, no, yeah, I did. And I said, well, you didn't check in on Facebook, and Facebook, you know, God's a Facebook God. You didn't get credit for that Sunday. I mean, how do you expect to get credit for a Sunday if you don't check in on Facebook that you were there and tell everybody, right? So it's this idea. So he tells us this teaching, this fellowship. But here's the other part here. It's the breaking of bread and praying. Now, this comes in the, this comes in the book of Acts. So we followed the four Gospels, and I come back. A couple of weeks ago, we took communion together. We're going to keep taking communion on a regular basis as a family. That's just an alert. Get ready. But the idea of this is, is that Jesus took the most common elements, the wine they had at every meal and the bread, and he did communion. And it isn't interesting here. What he's saying is, look, here's what you got to devote yourself to, the bread. It was specifically mentioned, the bread and prayers. This idea that when Jesus did communion, he said, do this in remembrance. And I told you, that translates better to be, when you do this, remember me. Because he said, you're going to do it all the time. It's not make it a memorial service. Don't set this up where it happens once a quarter and you check the block. He said, in the most common of things that you do, that you take in, the wine and the bread. And what he's saying is then, when you do these things, remember me. That's why he used the example with the bread and the wine that I believe in them. So then we go on in this in 2 Timothy, you know, the exhortation was here. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and get it again, teaching, 
teaching. And then the other issue here, he says, now let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in the case of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So here's what you get. There's a constant process of what we devote ourselves. We devote ourselves to God's Word. We devote ourselves to fellowship. We devote ourselves to worshiping God. But get this, we devote ourselves to serving one another and being there for each other. That's what God's telling us here. And you know, when I look at the church and said, people say, well, I can do about everything you do at the church. I said, no, you can't. You can't serve the people we serve at a church. You can't help the needs that are met by the church. And there's so many other things. And then what you're missing is the fellowship. If you just think, I'm going to stay away. I need you here because you being here helps me grow and builds me up. And I just need to tell you that. So we've got to do the works. James says, you know, you want to see the face? Show them the works. Just that simple. Jim told you last week that if you haven't heard Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 5, 8 and 5, 14 from me on multiple occasions, you will. It's about spiritual maturity. One of the things that I, I enjoyed about what he was talking about is, you know, he said, so often we're on milk and we should be on meat. And, you know, too many Christians claim they were a Christian for 10 years or 15 years when, in fact, they're just a Christian for one year and they just keep doing it. It's Groundhog's Day, that movie all over again. That's all we're living. Every day we wake up and we have the same day experience and we're not growing, we're not different, and we need to be. So this idea, we'll talk about this in depth next week on what God's calling us to, the difference between perfection and spiritual maturity and why it's achievable there. But now we get to this issue here. And uh, by the way, I did love it too when Jim said, and ladies, this, doesn't imp- this is not about you. But you know when he said the mustache, and sometimes with the guys, you got to pry the mustache open just to get the bottle in because they're still drinking milk, you know, and all of that stuff. And so we've got to get this where we're growing in God's Word. Again, we'll talk about that. Now we get to the issue of reproducing and why that is so important, okay? We came about because of reproduction, not production. These chairs came about because of production. Here's the difference. In production, these chairs are supposed to look exactly alike. We could mix them all up, and you shouldn't be able to tell the difference. Because if you could and pick one out that was different than the others, we call it flawed. Well, there's not a person in this room that's flawed. There's not a person in this room that's flawed. Okay? We were all created because of life on life. Disciples come about because of life on life. There's not a production method that makes a disciple. There are reproduction methods that come from teaching, fellowship, and this process together, and that's what we've got to do. So when we look at reproduction versus production, that's important for us because we reproduce who we are. I have a, and I've shared this before, Dan Schaefer says, you can't teach what you don't know, you can't lead where you won't go, you only reproduce what you are. Now let me just tell you something. Too many people think, boy, there's nothing in me worth reproducing. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. And I will just tell you this. If something's said and it smells like smoke, it's not coming from heaven. You get this? But this idea, none of us are perfect. And in this idea that we're all on this journey together, moving together on this process, and that there is something in each one of you. And you know how I know that? Because I get to stand here look out at you, and I can tell you, there's something good in every single one of you that somebody else needs. And it won't happen if we expect it to get to them like we produce chairs. It'll happen, the change, what they need, that point of need that they have that God will use you for is because it's about life on life. And that's what we require, and that's what we need.
So now we get to this issue of follow. You know, the idea, and we talked about follow, we talked about the heart issue of being devoted. Spiritual maturity is the journey. We got to serve. It's this idea, this, you know, this, this part of reproducibility and so forth. But then we get to this issue of follow. That's a head issue. And, you know, for some of us, we remember that old song. I have decided to what? Somebody say it. That's it. I've decided to follow Jesus. That's why God says he writes his laws on our hearts and on our minds, right? He wants them both. It's not just a good heart, but your mind can over here. But that process, I have decided. It's a decision. It's our intellect. It's that all that goes with that, that goes with the heart, that goes with the journey, that goes with what God wants to do in and through us. That's what God's trying to do. And, and you got to look at this and understand that God's looking at us not because there's one quality he likes and goes, well, I guess I could use that, but the rest of it's kind of messed up. No, God looks at you as his own child as a complete package. He wants all of you, and he wants to use all of you, and all of you is worth using and worth reproducing. But that's the world, and that's what we've got to do with this. So when he looks at this, you remember what Jesus said, and he told, told Simon that would be called Peter and Andrew, he says, follow me, right? Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He also tells then Matthew, right? And then Jesus told the disciples, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. And so when we talk about this issue, deny myself, let me just give you some clarity on this. What I mean by that and what I think God is trying to tell us here, it's not decide, you know, denying ourselves like, oh my goodness, I guess I sell everything. Got to get rid of it go live in a cave someplace with sackcloth and ash and walk around like Eeyore. Woe is me. Woe is me. I mean, denying ourselves like that. That's not what God's calling us to do. Do you know what I, I believe that the, the word is, is that you can keep your Harley, just don't make it an idol. You can keep the things in life because God wants to use them, right? But when he says that when you place something else as an idol above me, that that becomes more important. You've replaced, even though you say, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, you replace it with something here and it's so easy to do. God doesn't have a problem with you having a good job because here's my thing. I think very often God's gonna use that good job. One, God's gonna use you to invest in ministries, things like that, in people. He's going to use you in a position to empower, to mentor, to coach and develop people. There's reasons that he does that. God doesn't mind you having a house where you can entertain and you have a gift of hospitality and so forth. I don't have any idea who all is going to be staying at my house this weekend. I don't have a gift of hospitality. I don't like people, but my wife's really good. You understand? But my buddy whose wife passed away, he said, have you got extra bedrooms? I said, yeah. You know, I've got two extra bedrooms, my wife's gone, and I'll give somebody mine if somebody wants it, and I can, you know, do something else. Like I said, my wife's got the gift of hospitality, and I, 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 my gift has been hostility at times, but not hospitality. Not that that affects any guy in this room. I just want you to know, but sometimes confession's good for the soul. You know what I'm saying? And here's the other thing, and that is, you're here for a reason. You didn't stumble in here by accident. Whether you've been coming for a lot of years, whether you're brand new to us, whether you came for a lot of years and you're coming back, you know what? There's not a person in here by accident. And God has you here for a reason, because he's a kingdom God, and you are needed in the kingdom. But we can't do this if we don't do this right. 
which is that equipping ourselves, training the processes that we have here that are available to you, okay? And so I want you to know that. We're gonna be focusing on this disciple-making, what is a disciple and the disciple-making process for each of us. I wanna ask you and I wanna encourage you, I guess more than anything as your pastor, will you join us on a great adventure? Oh, a great adventure. I don't know of a greater adventure than following Jesus. I don't. And I've done some crazy things. I've jumped out of airplanes and punched out of a sub at Guantanamo Bay. Thought it was cool. You understand? But there is no greater adventure than following Jesus and becoming a reproducing disciple as God calls us to and commands us to. And at the end of our days, I sat there with my friend yesterday and held his hand, held him in my arms. We cried together. His wife had just transitioned and is in heaven. Joy unspeakable. But as we prayed, his kids were there and his grandkids. I said, here's one thing I know. There's one thing I know. There are lives that have been transformed and will be transformed because of this amazing woman whose body was there, whose spirit was in heaven, more than their family will ever know. God wants that for everybody in this room. God's calling us to be fully devoted, spiritually maturing, reproducing followers of Christ. Will you join us? You don't have to raise hands or anything. But will you join us on the greatest adventure of your life? That this will be a praying church and a disciple-making church that will impact this community. And God's going to use it. One of the things that we have here at Summit Church is community groups. And it's very much a part of our DNA, why we do what we do. Because we believe the fellowship, the teaching, the breaking of bread, the praying together, all of that is important. Here at Summit Church, we call them community groups. I know the term life group, small group, but there's a very, re very good reason why we choose to call community because God's calling us to raise up communities of faith. But here's the other thing about it. We want you to know that everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome in the community group. That's why it's called a community. So if you've got friends, and somebody that just wants to come to a community group, kind of check it out, they're welcome. That's why we do that. We believe that that's one of the ways God's calling us to impact the community is to create groups that everybody's welcome to come in, to explore, to see about this man named Jesus, and to find out how to apply God's word to their lives and all of those things. So I wanna do something because we're kicking off the season in a sense. We go 12 months, but it's really the, the season. And with that, uh, we've got a lot of devoted people, significantly devoted people who have stepped up to be leaders or co-leaders within our community groups. And I wanna honor them, but I also want you to see them. Would you, if you're one of our community leaders or co-leaders, would you stand up and come forward, please? Don't make me come and get you. Yeah, some are hesitant. I'm looking at you. I know. <laughs> You're going to notice some things as these amazing men and women step forward here. 
you're going to notice that they do a lot of things around this church. This isn't the only area in which they serve, which is another thing for me. We have a serving church. And so each one of them have a community group or part of one. It's not too late for you to go on the app or to ask somebody, go to our next steps. What are the community groups and how do I get in one and let them help you find something there that's going to suit your need where you're at so God can bless you. I'm going to ask you to extend as we pray a blessing over them. Would you extend your hands forward to them? In your way, we're giving thanks for them. Father, we thank you for each person here. I thank you, Father, for them. I thank you, Father, for their heart, their willingness as they step forward to make a difference in the lives of so many others. I thank you, Father, that as they step as leaders and co-leaders within the different groups that are here, that, Father, lives will be touched and transformed because of their willingness to be faithful to you, Father, and allow you to use them and these groups for lives to be transformed. So, Father, I ask your blessings on them. And I also say, everyone that steps up in a leadership capacity, it's like putting a target on them. And I pray the blood of Jesus and your protection over each and every one of them, Father. Keep them safe. Use them mightily. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's family said, Amen. Let's give them a hand if we could, please. Let's give them a hand.